Indoctrinating our children to death. Government schools war on faith, family, and freedom. And how to stop it by Alex Newman. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. We have a great conversation ahead this week with that author of that brand new book, building on over a decade of research into the indoctrination and dumbing down of our kids. The one and only Alex Newman documents the untold history behind government education and its founders like no one has ever done before. Yeah, he's the guy behind uh, just a few books, but I am told this is his best yet. So very much looking forward to that conversation. Good day, everyone. Want to thank you for joining us. We're going to get to that interview with Alex Newman here in just a moment. But first, if you are new to the show, want to welcome you in to Educate, where each and every week we take a deep dive into education. We are also showing you ways to get involved. The conversations to take to your school boards or even to your friends how best to approach the things that too many people seem to stay silent on. As our kids pay the ultimate price uh, for that silence, here on Educate, we provide both criticism and positive solutions to problems. My name is Liz Collin. I'm a Minnesota-based journalist with Alpha News, a wife, a mom, and happy to be with you as we navigate this wild world of education together. We are, though, here to help. It's amazing just how some information and a, and a conversation can go a long way. You are not alone in your thoughts. You're not crazy. Trust me. And with that, before our upcoming interview with Alex Newman that I'm very much looking forward to today about his brand new book, we have a look at, at this story from National Public Radio, so from NPR, that I think is worth listening to. So the title of this story is A Secret Shelf of Banned Books thrives in a Texas school under the nose of censors. Let's take a listen. The fight over banned books keeps raging. Last week, a U.S. appeals court blocked a law that would have required school library books to have ratings for sexual content. Texas is one of the most aggressive book banning states. More than 1,400 titles were removed from Texas school and library shelves over the past two years, according to PEN America. As a result, some teachers and students have been building underground libraries, NPR's Netta Ulubi reports. Three teenagers are giggling at a coffee shop in Texas about what it takes to get their hands on books. Well, these are special books. <laughs> We're in the far, far suburbs of Houston at a coffee shop so nondescript it looks like an ugly Starbucks knockoff. These three 17-year-old seniors brought me here to talk about a secret bookshelf in their teacher's classroom. It's really low-key, very undercover. How undercover is She tells like a select few of students who she feels might need a book to get them into reading. You're listening to an NPR report at the title of the story, A Secret Shelf of Banned Books Thrives in a Texas School Under the Nose of Censors. So yeah, the story goes on to talk about how uh, Texas has banned more books than nearly any other. Uh, The Texas State Board of Education passed a policy in late 2023 prohibiting what it calls sexually explicit, uh, vulgar, or educationally unsuitable books in public schools. How dare they? It uh, sounds like a terrible thing, right? Uh, that's, of course, uh, how NPR is going to frame frame this issue. No doubt about that. Over the past two years, the story goes on to say Texas teachers have lost jobs or been pressured to resign after making challenged books available to students. I guess my point here is people should really take a look at what these banned books, what's really inside them, because I think uh, NPR doesn't, of course, they, they leave that out uh, when, it, when it comes to the story. 
Uh, but these are really quite eye-opening books once parents take a look at, at what these, these kids are, are reading. So the story goes on to say the teacher who created the bookshelf could become a target for far right-wing groups, of course. Uh, that's why NPR decided not to use her name uh, in reporting this banned bookshelf story, which I think is uh, quite interesting. So let's go ahead and take a little bit more of a listen uh, to this story from, from NPR. These students have a lot in common besides attending the same public schools. We're all minorities. And they're all queer. The secret bookshelf, they say, is the one place where they can easily find books to give them characters they can immediately relate to. Just to see, like, Latinos, LGBTQ, that's that's not something, like, you really see in our community, or it's not very well represented at all. Well, I am a young, black lesbian, and I don't meet people like myself in my day-to-day life either, so reading these characters in these books, it really gives me hope. They worry about the consequences of going public with their secret classroom bookshelf. We don't want to jeopardize our teacher in any way, or the bookshelf, or the district, or the school. Or themselves. Sharing such books in a Texas public school has felt dangerous for the past few years. These students do not want to draw the ire of antagonistic activists, or put their teacher at risk. She is a longtime public school employee, a Texas native, and like her state, her secret bookshelf is enormous. At this point, I may have about maybe 600 books. They spill from two big bookshelves in her classroom into a bunch of plastic crates. I'll never have enough bookshelves. This teacher started her secret library a couple of years ago, after a Texas lawmaker named Matt Krause sent public schools a list of 850 books he wanted banned because he felt they would make students uncomfortable about race and sex. That made this teacher furious. The books that make you uncomfortable are the books that make you think. Isn't that what school's supposed to do? What's supposed to make you think? Then she talked to her students. She gave one of them a job. Here's that student remembering the assignment. Can you go through the list? Can you see like what books you'd recommend for us to add to the library? And then she gave me her card to buy them. Wait a minute. She literally was like, here are the books we're not supposed to have. Go get them. Yeah, it was a lot of gay books. I remember that. So again, listening into this National Public Radio report, essentially cheerleading uh, these banned books and how great it is uh, that these students are are taking advantage of this banned bookshelf in a way, uh, cheering this this behavior on. Um, I just think it's uh, remarkable how they went ahead and, and framed this story, not celebrating the fact that these parents uh, were able to get these books, which are vulgar. Uh, they are profane. There's uh, many g- very graphic uh, details in- included in these books, um, not celebrating the fact that they were able to get them uh, out of the hands and um, of of students. It's it's really quite something how the story itself is is framed. But this Houston teacher in the in the story talks about. Um, She's very nervous for losing her job for providing these books. Um, At some point, she hopes it will no longer have to be a secret, uh, she says. And this story does point out that earlier this month, the U.S. Court of Appeals blocked a part of a recently passed state bill in Texas. It was House Bill 900 that would have required booksellers and publishers to rate any books sold to schools for sexual content. Uh, This was seen as a victory for freedom to read activists, but some of them noted uh, to National Public Radio here that House Bill 900 still contains dangerously vague language about material prohibited in school and no clear guidelines about enforcement. So this this woman basically goes on to say, I believe that book banning is going to go away. Uh, I intend for this library to just keep growing. So clearly the fight against a lot of this nonsense is not over.
Perhaps you're one of those parents wondering just what is uh, so controversial in these books. I know Moms for Liberty groups, they do a very good job of keeping track on their websites. Uh, Perhaps some questionable things that, again, I think many parents have have no idea. Uh, The words are one thing, but I will say that the pictures are quite another. Uh, These are usually available to, to kids as young as middle school, I've seen, perhaps even younger in elementary school libraries and such. But Moms for Liberty, I know, does a a great job of, of keeping track of of trying to bring this to parents' attention. So it's worth visiting one of their websites to check out some of these books, what is really inside. It kind of goes along with what we're talking about today, I will say, uh, with the one and only Mr. Alex Newman coming up in our next segment. We're going to be back uh, with that interview with him. Again, he is the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and how to stop it. A lot of this indoctrination goes hand in hand again with what we're talking about at government, government-run schools uh, with these books being available to our kids and how many parents simply don't know. So that conversation with Alex Newman still ahead. But first, a reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. Get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source for patriotic Americans. Discover a refreshing blend of time-honored values, principles, and insightful perspectives within the pages of the New American magazine. Delve into a world where tradition is the foundation and exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs, environment, culture, and technology, we bring you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. The New American. No more, do more. Again, that's thenewamerican.com. And this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, head to thenewamerican.com. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting, and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin, and this is going to be a great conversation this week. I've so been looking forward to it. Uh, The book is called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It by Alex Newman, available now on Amazon. Uh, But want to welcome in Alex Newman uh, first. But before we get to him, I do want to read just a bit from the description that says, it's a book that proves that the system is not broken, but it's working well when considering the goals of its architects. These goals included turning Americans away from God, fundamentally transforming the nation away from its constitutional foundations, and more. Alex Newman not only diagnoses the problem, but also offers true solutions that are long overdue. So with that, I do want to welcome Mr. Alex Newman to the show. Thank you so much for joining me this week, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. I want to get more into your background in just a bit, um, Alex, because I I find it quite fascinating, to be honest, uh, how you got to be where you are today. And I know you're open uh, to all of that. Uh, I know it could have ended very, very differently for for you. And and your faith is something you talk about as well, which I think is great. Uh, But to start with this this latest book of yours, it's so interesting to me because you're right. uh, Conservatives seem to have it all wrong. There's nothing broken 
<laughs> about our, our public school system. Explain. Yeah, and I, and I think that is a myth that we have to blow up and and bury, right? The the schools are working very, very well. And so when I hear conservatives say that the schools are broken, um, I, I think it's a fundamental misdiagnosis of the problem. If the schools are broken, then they can be fixed. If the schools are broken, then we just need to change them in such a way that they will work properly, as in the way they were intended. But when you realize that they were always intended to do what they are doing now, which is destroy the faith of our children, turn them against God, turn them against the Bible, turn them against uh, the Christian moral order and Christian civilization. They were always intended to separate children from their parents and ultimately turn children against their parents. They were always intended to uh, manipulate our children into abandoning the constitutional principles that form the bedrock of our free society and uh, embracing new principles, collectivist principles, godless principles. Um, when you understand that that was the goal of the people who dreamed up this system, the people who were served as the architects of this system, and the people who built this system, then everything makes sense. And, and when you come to that realization, you don't think anymore in terms of fixing the schools because they're not fixable. For, for me, it's like having a doctor tell me how he wants to fix my cancer. Well, excuse me, doctor, but I'm not interested in fixing my cancer. Thank you. I would prefer to get rid of my cancer so that I don't die. <laughs> OK, so uh, I think that's the attitude we need to be taking here. And, and I should clarify, I'm not against teachers. I'm not even against schools um, any more than I would be against collective farms, collective agriculture in the Soviet Union by pointing out that collective farms are idiotic. Right. I still support farming. I still support food production. I just don't support failed, ridiculous collective farms. And so that is, I think, the attitude that we need to take toward the government school system. This is a a a perversion of what education is actually supposed to be. And we need to reimagine it from the ground up. There, there's no amount of tweaks or, or little fixes that you could apply to this system to make it work properly for the goals that normal people think of when they think of education, children who can read, write, do math, uh, children who will seek truth, people who can think properly. Um, there's no amount of fixes that will fix this system. It was designed to do this, and therefore it must be abandoned. You're listening to Educate. I am joined this week by the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. That is Mr. Alex Newman, my guest this week. And I think, uh, you know, what's so interesting, the answers are so often uh, in our history books, it seems, aren't they? Uh, when, you, when you look back in a way, uh, Alex, it can almost become easy to predict almost uh, what we are dealing with now. If you could maybe just, you know, highlight a, a couple of these big players uh, that we're talking about decades uh, and decades ago uh, that sort of came on the scene to get us uh, where we are today. Well, I start the book off with a guy called Robert Owen, who today is very, very obscure. He was quite well known uh, to earlier generations of Americans, but today he's very obscure, and I think that's deliberate. Uh, he was he was a wealthy man. He was a utopian from Wales, and um, he had uh, married into a wealthy family. He actually purchased a textile operation from his father-in-law and started trying out all these weird social experiments. Like, what, what if we take children away from their moms when their children are like two or three and uh, start teaching them new things? Uh, maybe, maybe we can uh, reform them. And so he had these ideas. And to his credit, he passionately believed in these things. He believed in them so strongly, he ended up creating a commune in Indiana called New Harmony, where he wanted to pursue these ideas of, of uh, abolishing the family, abolishing private property, um, radical, radical social reform. So of course, he rejected the Bible. He rejected uh, the basic tenets of Christianity, including you know the monogamous marriage, uh, uh, the 
family being in charge of raising and educating children. And of course, even private property, right? God said, thou shalt not steal, right? There he established uh, private property. Um, Owen rejected that as well. Now, his ideas did not take off in the United States. These ideas were, in fact, very unpopular at the time. Americans had no reason to want the government to educate their children. Their children were already the best educated children anywhere on earth at any time in human history. Why would they want uh, any assistance from government? They all, you know, they had all read the Bible. They understood that the purpose of government was to punish evil. God defined evil as murder and theft and things like this. And so their understanding of government was government is to punish bad guys and protect our rights, like my right to life, because God said, thou shalt not murder. Et cetera. They, they didn't see any need or, or any uh, reason why the government ought to be educating children. Uh, so he, he started this commune. It failed. He came to the conclusion that the reason it had failed was because these children had been educated and brought up in a world that was thoroughly Christianized, uh, a world that was, in his view, uh, individualistic. And so he set out to propagate these ideas. He wrote a bunch of essays like uh, the formation of the human character. And uh, he argued essentially that the government ought to play a major role in education. Um, he, he actually made an argument that the best government would be the one that did the best job educating children. And again, these ideas were very, very unpopular in the United States. They didn't take off at all. Nobody was seriously interested in handing their children over to the government. None of the pastors were interested in handing children over to the government. And so that was a non-starter here. So two things happened. These essays that Owen was writing ended up in Prussia. Uh, according to Robert Owen in his autobiography, the Prussian ambassador got hold of them, took them back to the dictator of Prussia. And Robert Owen says in his autobiography that the dictator so much approved of these writings that he had ordered his interior minister to create uh, government education. The first government schools anywhere of the state, by the state and for the state, right? Unthinkable prior to that. So they, they took root in Prussia. And then they were reimported to the United States through the work of Horace Mann. And I'll come to Horace Mann in a moment. But I want to say one more thing about Robert Owen. Uh, Robert Owen started what a whistleblower later described as a secret society. Uh, he said it was modeled on the Carbonari. And the whistleblower knew of this, he said, because he was part of it. He was actually organizing New York uh, on behalf of this cause. And he said that the two twin objectives, you wanted to change public opinion to support a role for government in education and also get men elected to the legislatures. At that time, only men uh, could run for office, get men elected to the legislatures who would support government schools. And um, according to this whistleblower, his name was Orestes Brownson. He became a Catholic and repented of his involvement in this. He says that the ultimate objective, and this is almost a word for word quote, the ultimate objective was to get rid of Christianity. And he said, we wanted to do that first by establishing state controlled schools and then from there move toward national controlled schools where we would exclude all religion and, and focus only on things that were observable by the senses. And wherever we could, we would bring the clergy and Christianity into contempt and ridicule. Wow, I'm just gonna, I'm going to jump in here because we are going to have to take a break here in just a moment. But it really is that dark. That's why I think people need to uh, fully realize uh, the history we're talking about. Again, speaking to Alex Newman this week on Educate, the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family and Freedom. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Are you fed up with where our nation is headed? Here at the John Birch Society, we know how to fix a reckless, corrupt, and out-of-control government. It starts with patriots like you. We believe the only way to liberty and national sovereignty is to not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adhere to them. The Constitution is America's only solution. 
Join the John Birch Society today. Visit us at jbs.org. Welcome back to Educate. This is Liz Collin, joined this week by Alex Newman, again, the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. And we were discussing a bit uh, before the break, Alex, about what history teaches us and why it's no surprise uh, where we're having the the conversations uh, we are today when it comes to to public education. But if you could pick up uh, where we left off because I also want to get to to John Dewey and his role in in all of this uh, as as well. But let's let's pick up to where you were before. Sure. Well, thank you again, Liz, for having me. And so this these ideas proposed by Robert Owen that the government ought to play a role in educating children first took root in Prussia, and then from Prussia they were imported back to the United States through Massachusetts through the efforts of a man called Horace Mann. Um, there, there are a lot of schools across America today named after him: Horace Mann Elementary, Horace Mann High School, whatever. Uh, so he he's still relatively well known. He he's often considered to be the founding father of America's public education system. Again, I think he deserves to share some of the blame for that with a few other people like Robert Owen and John Dewey. But uh, Horace Mann studied the Prussian system and then tried to implement it in Massachusetts, complete with uh, government schools to train teachers so that all the teachers would have the same standardized knowledge base. And uh, right away, I mean, the quackery started pouring in. Uh, Horace Mann wanted to get the Bible out of the schools, which at that time that was considered to be almost an oxymoron. I mean, how, how could you possibly have education without the Bible? People just didn't understand how that would even be contemplated. And so they didn't really find a lot of success with that early on. But that's how government schools came to America, was through the efforts of Horace Mann. He was appointed by the legislature there as the first ever secretary of education of any school, so or of any state, excuse me. And after, after he finished in Massachusetts, he then went traveling around America, speaking at legislatures, preaching the good news of salvation by government schools. So he told other legislatures, hey, you know, we did it in Massachusetts. It worked really well. And, you know, to, to be clear, the schools that he created even though they were the building block that eventually became what we have today, were not like they are today. Um, you, you would maybe send your children to school for a few weeks or maybe a few months at most when they weren't uh, helping on the family farm. So it wasn't like what we have today, like a, a, a centralized indoctrination mechanism where you're going to hand over your kids all day, every day, five days a week for nine or 10 months out of the year for 13 years. Right? That would, that would have been just totally unthinkable to people. But that's how they got the camel's nose under the tent. So he went around the country, and over the next 50 years, um, almost every state started creating government schools and even started adopting um, mandatory compulsory attendance laws where parents were actually forced to send their children or at least uh, do something equivalent. So that was the genesis of this. And then we get to to John Dewey, who um, – you know, he's off, often also called the founding father of America's public education system. And I think and a that's communist. a well-deserved <laughs> title. And he was a communist. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so rather than Prussia, he went over to the Soviet Union. He loved what the Soviets were doing. And one of the things that I think is so interesting about John Dewey, uh, you know, his, his one big difference of opinion with the revolutionary communists of the Soviet Union was they believed in revolution and and force and, and the bourgeoisie being uh, basically crushed by the proletariat. John Dewey believed in a more gradual approach where little by little people would come to see the wisdom of communism. And of course, he thought the government schools would be the vehicle for that. But he teamed up and, and this is fascinating. And to a lot of people, it doesn't even make sense. But he teamed up with 
the Rockefellers, right? Uh, this uber wealthy, super capitalist dynasty with more money than anyone could ever know what to do with. And so you had these super capitalists working with these actual communists to build a government school system. And that's because their interests converged, right? John Dewey wanted it dumbed down, collectivistic, um, non-Christian, non-liberty-minded uh, dupes to move us toward communism. And John D. Rockefeller wanted basically dumbed down worker drones who, who would be smart enough to work on the assembly line and who'd be capable enough to work on the assembly line, but who wouldn't be philosophizing about statecraft and the meaning of life and these kinds of things. They didn't need to be worried about those things. They just needed to make more money for Rockefeller. So they set up this experimental school at the University of Chicago, funded by Rockefeller, led by Dewey, and um, produced a bunch of kids who couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't tell right from wrong. <laughs> they said, that'll be perfect. That became eventually the model that Dewey would then promote all across the country. And it is essentially the precursor to what we have today. Incredible to, to hear all of that. Again, uh, my conversation with Alex Newman, the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom. So then I, I guess, you know, the question is, what can parents do uh, there are solutions in the book. I want to delve uh, into that. We have a, a few minutes left in this segment. We'll talk more about it uh, when we come back as well. Um, you know, and I and I've heard what the solution is. I, I've gotten that that far in the book, and I and I think it could be a tough pill to to swallow. But go ahead and and give us the the solution here, Alex. So as far as I'm concerned, the solution is parents must remove their children from this system. I say it unequivocally, with no wiggle room, with no stuttering. Your parents, if you love your children and you want what's best for them, you must get them out of this system. In the last chapter, I actually make the argument that the school system is essentially a burning building, right? And, and your children are trapped inside this burning building and you hear them screaming. You, you see the pain in their faces. I mean, you smell the burning flesh. And then you say, well, you know, I think I'm going to run for school board. It's preposterous, right? It's absolutely <laughs> preposterous. And, and actually, the, the fire analogy is probably not adequate because a fire can, can hurt you physically, might even kill you. But what these government schools are doing to your children, and, and it's documented 100%. We've got the government's own documents showing this. Uh, they're destroying your children. Physically, yes, right? They're chopping off private parts or giving them puberty blockers or getting them hooked on all kinds of crazy drugs. Uh, they're, they're actually hurting their brains through the quackery and the quack methodologies and the pedagogies that are being used. Uh, so they are hurting them physically. Of course, we've got suicide now as a leading cause of death among children. This would have been unthinkable uh, even just a generation ago. So they are hurting them physically. They are killing them in a very real sense. But it's much worse than that. They're also destroying them spiritually and emotionally and academically and, and in every possible way that you can hurt somebody, they are destroying these children. And so, uh, you know, we must, we absolutely must get them out. When I first started telling people that 10 years ago, you know, I, I think the first time I went public with my view that parents needed to pull their children out of schools, it was on uh, Phyllis Schlafly's radio program, her nationally syndicated radio program. Uh, and, and she was wonderful. Uh, you know, she strongly endorsed our book and she had me on many times to talk about this issue. But I could hear her gasp, like, oh, really? Like, really? We got to get the kids out? So it was a tough pill to swallow 10 years ago. I think today the situation has radically changed, Liz. Um, I, I think people well, and there are, are so many. Re we've Yeah, we, we've had um, many people on to talk about. Uh, I mean, there's really a community now for homeschool. You're not you're not alone, for, certainly. That's right. It's a lot easier today. Uh, and, and, and I mean, the tides have turned, too. You have Rush Limbaugh three times before he died telling parents you must get your children 
out of these schools. Uh, COVID showed so many parents what was going on. And so the reality is millions of families are fleeing this system as we speak, and millions more are going to flee in the years ahead. Um, and and all the excuses I've heard, well, you know, my wife and I both have to work. We don't have enough money. Uh, it's really a matter of priorities. Right? What do you prioritize? Do you prioritize the well-being of your children or your vacation at Disneyland? Do you prioritize the well-being of your children or the nice, fancy new car in the big house? Uh, if your priorities are nice, fancy new car and big house, well, yeah, it's going to be tough to pull your children out. If you're willing to make some sacrifices for the well-being of your children, then this is a no-brainer. And I want to talk a bit how you juggle things. Uh, you guys are homeschoolers of five children, right? Yes, and we have one more on the way, so soon we'll be six. C congratulations, uh, six. That That's wonderful. So, again, my conversation with Alex Newman will continue it here on Educate This Week, the author of Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom. Uh, he's got a couple of uh, books out there. Uh, I've read some in the past. Does does great work. So uh, thrilled to kind of continue this conversation. A reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. We'll be back with more from Alex Newman next. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? Is it even relevant? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. Available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Hey, America. How tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, The New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. Hey Americans, how tired are you of mainstream media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years, a beacon of liberty and defender of the Constitution. This is your opportunity to receive principled journalism at a deep discount. 
Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep every two weeks, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's new mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to educate listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. My guest this week is Alex Newman. He is the author of the new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. I found it uh, pretty easily on Amazon, so I know it's it's there. Uh, many very positive reviews on the book. I wanted to mention uh, Kurt Cameron, one of them, the author, uh, filmmaker, of course, actor in Growing Pains. He wrote this, expanding on the important facts and insights he provided in my 2022 film, The Homeschool Awakening. That's a, a great film for people to check out. Alex Newman offers essential history and analysis in this important new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death. No other work I have seen has documented, documented the origins or consequences of the education system like this has. It is a monumental work in the life or death effort to rescue our children in one of the strongest cases that could be made for home education. This well-researched book is a must-read for everyone who wants to protect children, families, churches, and the nation. I highly recommend it to everyone. So certainly some high praise for the book. Uh, Alex Newman again joins me, and I know you don't shy away from from your background um, either, and I thought it'd be interesting to, to bring that in a bit as we uh, were talking before the break, five kids. You said another on the way, so six kids soon. You practice what you preach. You guys are homeschoolers. Uh, did you ever imagine this is how your life would be? Because I, I've heard, you know, you, like anyone else, uh, have have a bit of a background and an interesting story as to, to, as to how you got here, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Liz. Uh, that may be uh, an understatement. <laughs> um, you know, I, I got indoctrinated just like everybody else through my education. Now, I, I didn't go to government schools, so I, I never set foot in a government school my whole life. I, I was raised mostly overseas uh, at very, very elite international private schools with, um, you know, the the future managers of the emerging global political and economic system, if you will. And uh, so I had a very different education than your average American would, but it led me to the same place. It led me toward um, nihilism and revolution and Marxism and godlessness and uh, drug abuse and, you know, all, all these other things. I ended up getting kicked out in 10th grade and I hadn't paid much attention before that. So that was probably all a blessing in disguise. Uh, you know, I, I didn't pay a lot of attention in school. And and again, that may have actually saved me <laughs> from uh, the, the horrors that would have awaited me otherwise. But um, you know, I look back and I and I see what an incredibly significant role my education played in me ending up the way that I ended up. Uh, and and really, I, I I don't want that for other people's kids, right? I, I actually in 2019 I traveled the entire country um, on a speaking tour called Rescuing Our Children. I, I think I did by at this point I've probably done 300, maybe 400 talks all across the country, 46 or 47 states on this issue, uh, many many foreign countries at this point. And everywhere I go, Liz, I hear parents they come up to me afterwards crying. Why didn't I know this? Why did I subject my children to this? That's why my child won't talk to me. That's why my child has gone down this irreversible road and uh, you know why they think I'm a fascist or or whatever. Um, and and so the the tears that I have seen, the pain I have seen in parents' eyes, uh, it's just too much. And um, you know that that almost certainly would have been me had it not been uh, the great for the grace of God. But I do encourage parents. Uh, this is one of the most important 
important decisions you're ever going to make in your life. God has entrusted you with an extraordinary responsibility when it comes to raising and educating your children. And you're not going to get a do-over, right? This isn't something where if you mess it up, you can go back for round two. Uh, this is a, a one-time deal. And if you mess it up, the consequences, not just for you, not just for your family, but for your children and for your country, could be catastrophic and irreversible. So I really encourage people to spend some time thinking about this. Um, you know, you don't want your children to end up like the vast majority of American children today. When you look at the polling data, they're socialists, they're they're godless. Um, they want to overthrow our country. They they hate their parents. Uh, they're committing suicide in record numbers. They're shooting each other in school shootings. I mean, none of these things would have even been contemplated a few decades ago. And yet here we are. And I don't want that for anybody's children, Liz, or for any parents. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, sometimes these are hard conversations. And what's so great about great about your book is, you know, you then have the facts to, to back this up, that this is no secret. They wanted to take God out of out of schools. They they wanted these government run schools to sort of dumb down America and, and people can point to, to the history uh, to, to back that up. And I always kind of question, too, why is it that we don't see more of an uprising, do you think? For example, uh, you know, I'm a Minnesota based reporter they put feminine hygiene products in boys' bathrooms. That became state law last year in grades 4 through 12 in, in our public school system. Certainly, a lot of people talking about it, uh, but I didn't see much, much pushback or, or many people doing uh, anything about it, including including educators as well. I, I think it's partly, Liz, the, the boiling frog. If you just put the frog right in the boiling water, he'd jump immediately. It would be a non-issue. But because this water has been brought to a boil over a period of over a century now, um, each generation didn't realize, right? They didn't have a reference point, first of all. They hear their parents say, well, when I was a kid, you know, education was like this. Right. Nobody today has that reference point. You actually have to go into the archives. You have to go into the library. You have to go back into the primary source documents and read about this if you want to know about it. So I think that's part of the reason. And another part of the reason is we just have been misled into believing that these are issues that are fixed by, say, changing your local school board. Uh, and, and I don't have anything wrong with running for school board. You know, I think people should run for school board, but not while your child is still trapped in the system. But we need to understand uh, there have been uprisings. Liz. There, there have, and we saw this uh, very clearly in uh, 2020, 2021, 2022. It got to the point where the FBI was sent out like the Gestapo to go spy on parents who were speaking out too vociferously. But it's because they're pursuing the wrong solutions. If you think going to scream at your school board because of this is going to solve the problem or protect your children, you're dreaming. Um, you know, it's, it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing to go and express your concerns there. You should. But as long as they have conservatives and Christians trying to reform the system that is doing what it was designed to do, you know, there, there's that kind of release valve for the pressure, right? People get really, 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 really mad. And then they go scream at the school board and then they feel better about themselves. And the principal mm -hmm. assures them, oh, we're very sorry about that. And that's not going to happen again. And the whole process. And then it happens again. Yeah. Exactly. Over and over and over again. And this has been going on now for generations. People don't realize this happened in the 40s. This happened in the 50s. This happened in the 60s. This happened in the 70s. And it's been happening constantly, but it just gets worse and worse and worse. So at this point, conservatives have spent endless millions of dollars, maybe billions of dollars on school reform, endless hours running for school board, supporting candidates and things. Uh, and they're just spending, it's like a hamster running in the little wheel, right? You can run, 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 run so you can't run anymore. You're not going to get anywhere because you're fighting the wrong battle. Hmm. 
I wanted to read this review from Dr. Peter McCullough uh, on your new book, Alex Newman. It's, he says, this wide-ranging masterpiece reveals the historical development of ideological indoctrination of children in public and private education. It is mandatory reading for parents and older students seeking to navigate K-12 and higher education with their family values left intact. Where did the school pornography and transgender crisis come from? Answers to this and more in this beautifully written book by award-winning investigative journalist and media host Alex Duman. So I do want to say congratulations uh, on the book. I think you're making waves, uh, good waves. Waves are, I think, uh, appropriate when, when it comes to, to such thing, such things, uh, Alex Newman. But thank you so much for your important work and, and being a voice, I think, for, for so many of us out there. Well, thank you so much for having me on the program, Liz. It's, it's an honor to be able to speak with you. And uh, parents, take it seriously. Think about it. Pray about it. And uh, thanks once again, Liz. Alex Newman, the author of the new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools, War on Faith, Family, and Freedom, and How to Stop It. Check it out on Amazon now. You'll see his other books there as well. I know he's a, a busy guy, so we will let him go. But we want to thank you so much for listening to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. We'll talk again next week. A reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. Remember to get exclusive digital access to the most informative, nonpartisan, truthful news source for patriotic Americans. We're talking about discovering a refreshing blend of time-honored values, principles, and insightful perspectives within the pages of The New American magazine. There are still magazines available for you out there. Get away from the screens. Take in a magazine. There's nothing quite like it. Delve into a world where tradition is the foundation and exploration knows no bounds. From politics and finance to foreign affairs, environment, culture, and technology, we got it all covered. We bring you an unparalleled array of topics that matter most. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. The New American, no more, do more. Again, that's thenewamerican.com.